Welcome to the IBJ Podcast. I'm Mickey Shuey, filling in for Mason King. Since the opening of Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1909, there's been a home for motorsports in the Circle City. Today, at least 10 of the IndyCar Series' major teams have a strong presence in Indianapolis, either with a headquarters or an ancillary operation to support their open-wheel racing teams. Likewise, teams with the National Hot Rod Association, commonly called the NHRA, and the International Motorsports Association, IMSA for short, have made Indianapolis their home. But what's the future of motorsports in Indianapolis exactly? In what role did Roger Penske's acquisition of IMS back in 2020 play in the shifting landscape of teams here? I'm pleased to be joined today by my colleague Daniel Bradley, our North of 96 reporter. Daniel and I covered the topic of motorsports headquarters in the October 14th edition of IBJ. We'll tackle some of these questions and more. Later, we'll speak with Jay Fry, president of IndyCar, where we will drill down into the Speedway's role in all of this and what's on the horizon for IndyCar and racing here in Indianapolis. We'll also speak with Bobby Rahal about his team's project, set to debut by the end of this month. Daniel, thank you for joining me. Good to be here, Mickey. And what's a better place to start than with Andretti Autosports, which said in September it plans to make a significant commitment to central Indiana. What can you share about what they have going on up in Fishers? Can you break it down for us? Sure. So in August, Andretti Global, which is the parent company of Andretti Autosport, they announced plans to establish their global headquarters in Fishers. And it's a $200 million project, and Andretti envisions it as a 575,000-square-foot facility on about 90 acres near the Indianapolis Metropolitan Airport. And they expect it will create up to 500 jobs by 2026. So, yes, it's a huge deal for the motorsports industry in central Indiana. And it's a huge deal for Fishers because it'll be high-paying jobs at a high-profile company in a high-profile industry, and that's something any city wants to attract. Yeah, I mean, the name Andretti is synonymous with IndyCar racing, and the facility will also house day-to-day operations for Andretti's IndyCar, their Indy, Indy Lights functions, um, and the IMSA sports car championship f- programs. And uh, it'll be home to the team's efforts in advanced research and development. And, of course, it will be an even bigger deal, you know, if Michael Andretti gets the F1 team that he covets. Yeah, and we'll we'll touch on that here in just a minute. But it's it's safe to say that Andretti isn't alone in its efforts to build a new headquarters here in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. the Indianapolis area, right? Right, right. Other teams, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, and Arrow McLaren SP, uh, they've committed twenty million and twenty five million dollars respectively. Both of those operations are going to go in Southern Boone County. Mm-hmm. What is it about the northern suburbs that are making that area a big draw for these teams? Yeah, obviously the northern suburbs are growing and they've become desirable places to live over the past few decades. Um, Carmel, Fishers, Noblesville, Westfield, Zionsville. They're all among some of the fastest growing cities in Indiana, if not the fastest. And they're places where many of the race team employees will make their homes. Uh, The northern suburbs are desirable places for companies to put their businesses and they're near major highways. And like I said earlier, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Airport for Andretti so getting in and out is easy, which is crucial for race teams. You know, for Bobby Ray Hall, he told me in April that his new team headquarters in Zionsville is a dream come true for him. Construction is coming to a close, and he expects to move on, to move in, sorry, within the next month. And like you said, it's a $20 million, 
115,000 square foot building and it really has a presence as you drive into the corporate park there in Zionsville. And we didn't really include this in the story, but Bobby is also going to basically be next to his son Graham, who right next door in a couple years is going to move his Graham Ray Hall performance business from Brownsburg to Zionsville. So Zionsville is definitely invested in the future of motorsports. As noted at the top, uh, Roger Penske acquired IMS from the Holman family back in 2020, just weeks before the coronavirus pandemic just ravaged the industry, ravaged mm-hmm. a lot of industries. Mm-hmm. He's already invested about $20 million into the track uh, during that time with a focus on fan experience as well as some infrastructure improvements. And he wants to do more. But just how long... Has Indianapolis and the Central Indiana region been a draw for motorsports teams? And, and what's bringing these groups here? So Indianapolis, it's really been the unofficial capital for motorsports in the country since IMS opened over 100 years ago. And there are 10 IndyCar teams that have major offices here, and there's a handful of others that have a presence, so that's the majority of teams. And people we interviewed compared that clustering to what NASCAR has in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and it's true. And clustering means talent is always nearby, and it increases opportunities for innovation and growth. And of course, it just makes sense with IMS here. Now, is it just IndyCar teams that are coming here? What about the teams in the IMSA circuit, Mm -hmm. the Hot Rods, or or even NASCAR to an extent? You, You mentioned Charlotte, is that where these teams are going? Are they looking at Indianapolis? Are they looking elsewhere? I think they're looking all over, but it, like it's important to keep in mind that, like you said, it's not just IndyCar, but NHRA and other forms of racing that are embedded here. You know, performance racing industry just opened their headquarters earlier this year in Speedway, and so there's a lot going on. You know, Brownsburg is home to Don Shoemaker Racing and John Force Racing, and they both employ more than 60 people. And, you know, both Andretti and Ray Hall have IMSA teams, and Ray Hall is going to move his IMSA team from Columbus, Ohio, to his Zionsville facility. And again, with IMSA, IMS is going to host the first race there since 2014. And so it's kind of a testament to the growth of open wheel racing, which, as we discuss in the article, has a lot to do with access on TV and streaming services and Formula One's huge surge in popularity. You just touched on Formula One, and, and I have to say that during our research for this story, that was one of the more pronounced parts of this mm-hmm. whole thing from the Andretti standpoint, that that they are really interested in going after Formula One. But from your perspective, how important is it to to what Andretti has plans to do in Indianapolis, excuse me, in Fishers, and what could that do, not just for Andretti, but for motorsports in Indianapolis if they were to land a team? I mean, that would be huge, obviously. I mean, Formula One is the biggest racing circuit in the world. It's one of the biggest sports, I mean, in in terms of sports in general. It's like right there with the Premier League. It's right there with the NFL. To have that here would be just be huge for the racing industry in Indiana. So many of these higher profile projects, McLaren, Ray Hall, Andretti in particular, they're getting support from the state's economic engine, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Andretti alone is expected to get about 19 million in tax credits. What tools is the IEDC employing for these projects, and, and are they part of a larger, more cohesive strategy for motorsports in the state? Yeah, like state officials want to use motorsport, the motorsports industry as a catalyst for growth in Indiana. 
We found that the industry contributes $1.2 billion annually to Indiana's growth domestic product, and there are more than 300 motorsports-related companies that employ about 4,900 workers in the state. Uh, in the past few years, the IEDC, they've used a variety of tax credits and incentives to entice racing teams to locate here. You know, David Rosenberg, he's the executive vice president for the IEDC. Uh, he told us the state's goal is to attract and foster the growth of mo the motorsports industry, and that includes racing teams and tracks and other infrastructure. Racing teams are STEM jobs, and the state wants to bring that talent here. So they use tools. Uh, some of the ones we mentioned in this story are the Hoosier Business Investment Tax Credit, which is a headquarters relocation program, and there are a variety of other grant programs. For example, Ray Hall's team utilized edge tax credits and Hoosier Business Investment Programs. I think they secured about $1.5 million from the state to jumpstart construction in Zionsville. And for the IEDC, it's about bringing talent and innovation, and they definitely have the tools in their tool belt to make that happen. So in your mind, what does the future of motorsports look like in Indianapolis? And, and how linked is any future success to to what happens at IMS and in other tracks nearby. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is linked to IMS, and a lot of it is de also dependent on the global economy. And as we know, that could turn quickly. Like any industry, and this is what some of the motorsports experts told us, is that motorsports isn't immune to the effects of inflation. But the future of motorsports in Indianapolis does look bright as everything stands right now. Um, Roger Penske's name came up a lot in our interviews and for good reason, and uh, Bobby Rahal said that Penske was a stabilizing force during the pandemic, which really was the biggest threat to the Indy 500 since World War II, when there wasn't a race for four years and you know, weeds were growing up in the bricks. And he said that just ensuring that races happen in 2020 and 2021 was huge. And we saw the momentum return this past May when the Speedway hosted the first full capacity race in three years. I think it was 325,000 people. That was the biggest since the 100th running in 2016. And, you know, while it's important to remember that a lot of those people are there for the spectacle rather than the race itself, I think it is a good sign for the future. Well, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this today, Daniel. We'll be back with Jay Fry after a short break. Stay tuned. Taft. Today's modern law firm, with more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. Welcome back to the ABJ Podcast. I'm Mickey Shuey business of sports reporter for the IBJ. I had an opportunity to speak with Jay Fry, president of the IndyCar series, about the continued growth of open mill racing, the importance of teams picking Central Indiana for their headquarters, and what a possible Andretti F1 team could mean for IndyCar. Here's part of our conversation. In terms of the team and popularity, uh, you guys are, are starting to, to, to really pick up some steam. Uh, this year's ratings, according to your broadcast partner, NBC, they were among the best the, the series has seen in quite some time, 2016 to be precise. How are you feeling about the interest in the series overall? And what could 
what could IndyCar do to further growth in the paddock uh, and amongst its teams? Well, um, yeah, we're, we're excited about how the 2022 season went. Um, I think if you look at it, it wasn't, it's not been like an overnight thing, right? So we started in 2016 with this kind of five-year plan that, that kind of put some of this stuff in motion from a competition perspective. Uh, one of the goals was to recruit new teams and drivers, um, increase the size of the car count, the paddock, grow the paddock, um, that type of thing. So if you look at that as one of the indicators about the growth of the series, um, that's certainly been going on. You know, we've had 27, 28, 29 cars uh, the last couple of years you know, you know, outside of the 500. So um, we feel good about where we're going. It's been a great collaboration with all of our um, stakeholders, our OEM partners, all the teams, force, drivers, that type of thing. So um, I think for the future, we continue on this path. I think there's some things uh, that we can, or hopefully we'll be announcing in the next you know, few months. It could be you know, really exciting things for the future, and, and we're excited about the future. And, and NBC, how are you guys feeling about that partnership? Are you satisfied with it? NBC is a great partner. Um, obviously, you look at what they do in sports in general. Um, they're a, a huge player in it. We're part of their overall programming platform that they have. Obviously, having as many races as we currently have um, on NBC, on a big network, is huge. So, yeah, we're real excited about that. They're great partners. They're great people to deal with. We obviously deal with them every day, and uh, we feel great about the collaboration. How do you feel about the stable of drivers that you guys have right now, but but also the supporting talent, the engineers, the marketing professionals, and so on, that make up these teams? Is is IndyCar doing enough? Is, is in your mind, the state doing enough to attract and retain this kind of talent? Oh, well, absolutely. I think if you look at the last couple of years, you know, especially I think when the aero screen came into play and, and, and different things like that, different uh, safety advancements we come up with, um, you know, we, the Roma, you know, Grosjeans and Jimmy Johnson and people like that that's coming to the sport, you know, there, there's been a definite interest from lots of different areas in what we're doing, where we're going. So we're quite excited about that. Uh, one of the things we actually have done, um, we created a job portal. One of the things uh, we mentioned earlier about the growth of the paddock, uh, it's also been very hard to recruit people at this point, right? There's been a lot of things going on. The teams are expanding so rapidly. Um, they need more good and qualified people. So we helped. We tried to do, do it with an outside source. We couldn't get it done. So we we're fortunate enough to have some talented people in-house that could do it. We created this job plat- uh, platform um, where, where teams can go and look and, and uh, people can put their resume into the, into the platform, so it's growing. And again, when you mentioned earlier, that's a, that's another indicator of what's going on is um, the teams are really trying to hire new people. Now, Roger Penske, of course, announced in uh, 2019, uh, late 2019, about three years ago now, that he planned to buy uh, IMS as well as the IndyCar series. Um, I'm curious that in the time since then, how have you seen the series change or, or adapt uh, under his ownership? Oh, I think um, obviously he's an amazing uh, person and, and been around motorsports for you know over 50 years. So he's uh, certainly a stakeholder in the, you know, the motorsports world, the motorsports from a global perspective, uh, understands what it takes, understands what we do, understands the difficulties and the challenges that we have. So that part is huge. You know, when you just have a, have someone that has an understanding of, of what it takes to put on an event, what it takes to you know, put a car on the track, that type of thing. Um, I think from an outside perspective, it's, it's created a lot of stability. I mean, obviously people know who he is. They know how he operates. They know, um, you know the, the Penske 
perfect type analogy or how you say that philosophy, right? Um, so that's you know that's something that bodes well for the series and for, the, uh, for IMS uh, that people want to do business with people like that, obviously. So um, we're quite excited about the future. What role does the investment in the track in the series play in your mind in in not only retaining that talent in those teams here in Indianapolis? But bringing in new commitments from groups like Andretti, Aero McLaren, and and the Ray Hall team uh, that we've seen over the past few years, I think from an IMS perspective, it's one of those things. You know, when you when you look your best, the best look at you, right? So I think a lot of things that are going on IMS are, are just it really it, it's been freshened up. There's a you know it's just amazing um, you know, the, the differences in the grounds and just different things that it's a you know a, an historic facility that uh, just needed you know, refreshing in a lot of ways. And that's been done, you know, expensive and spared doing that. Um, one of the things we talk about the investment, but, you know, I think you're referring to some of the teams' uh, announcements with new facilities that are coming on, you know, into, into the area, which is great. Um, again, I think that's another indicator of the health of our series, but maybe overall motorsports in general, because all the teams that are uh, building and doing things in the Indianapolis area, are, you know, they have other motorsports properties that they also deal with. So, uh, we're excited about that. If you look at a uh, indicator of overall health, I think that's a pretty big one. Those are pretty big uh, financial commitments, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of square feet buildings, that type thing. So, uh, again, we're excited about where we're going. We're excited about the future. And so everything's looking good. Now, I know years ago, teams used to be dispersed throughout the country. There were some in California. There were some in, in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and so on. Uh, but now most of the teams that race regularly in the IndyCar series are based in Indianapolis, or at least have a strong presence here. From your perspective, how important is it that the series has most of its key teams here? Uh, well, this is the racing capital of the world, right? So what better place for them to be? Um, it's nice when they're here, obviously, because we're here. So it's just easier if you have a last minute meeting request or you need to get people together or we need to go look at something. Um, we can just run over to a team shop and, and, and take a look at something. So that helps us a lot. It's also, you know, from a scheduling perspective, we know what it costs to go from here to Laguna or wherever and, and things like that. The teams are based here, so we know what effect it has on them. So overall, it's just it's, it's great to be um, that we're all in this same community together. And it just it has a lot of lots of efficiencies to it. As we wrap up here today, Jay, I want to ask you, what are two things that you're looking forward to with the next racing season? But additionally, what is one question or one challenge that you're hoping to tackle over the next year? We're working on a lot of things. It's funny how people think the, the off-season, I get asked all the time, what do you guys do? You know, so the off-season is worse than the season because um, obviously we're getting everything prepared for next year and the years to come. Um, once the season starts, you, you really get into your routine. You know, we race every week or whatever. So the off season is way more, I guess you'd call chaotic or, or random than the things that we do. So a lot of that, what you, said, what you ask is what we're working on now. So um, we've talked about hybrid technology. We're working on that. We're talking on um, what the car could look like in the future. We're talking about the schedule long term. Again, like I mentioned earlier, the, the five-year plan we, we had, you know, that we put together in seventeen. Um, yeah, that gets updated as we go. So there's a lot of different things going on. It's very busy right now. Um, it's all good stuff. It's all great things to be working on. You know, it's about growing the sport, how we're going to get better, and um, what we're going to you know, look like in the future. So I guess I would just say all that. 
thank you so much for your time, Jay. We really appreciate you joining us on today's show. You're welcome. Thank you, Nikki. Much like Jay Fry, Bobby Rahal has a front seat for all things motorsports in central Indiana as a co-owner and CEO of Rahal Letterman Landing and Racing. Rahal joined the IVJ podcast from his home in Florida, where he talked about his excitement for his team's new headquarters in Zionsville and enthusiasm for the continued growth of IndyCar. I'm pleased now to be joined by Bobby Rahal, CEO and co-owner of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Thanks for joining us, Bobby. Uh, my pleasure. So as we, as I discussed with Daniel, you have a pretty big project that you're working on yourself with your team, and that is the, the new headquarters for your, for your team. What can you tell us about what you guys have going on and when you expect to open? Well, um, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, it is a huge project for us, by far the biggest project we've ever undertaken in terms of a, of a, um, of a headquarters for our racing teams in Zionsville. Uh, of course, uh, this is a headquarters for both our IndyCar efforts and, and uh, our effort, uh, our joint effort with BMW in the IMSA uh, series. And, um, uh, you know, previous to this, we've had a facility in Columbus, Ohio, and then, of course, been renting uh, space in Brownsburg. Uh, but now now everything is under one roof or will be very shortly under one roof. I, I believe we're having our occupancy um, uh, kind of inspection on Monday, uh, this coming Monday. And um, so presuming we pass that, then uh, we'll all be uh, moving in. So this is a big moment for, for us. As a, as a team with my partners, you know, it, it really is a, a huge commitment on our part to, uh, to motorsports uh, here in North America, whether that's, as I say, either on the IMSA side or on the IndyCar side. And, yeah, 125,000 square feet, uh, really a purpose-built facility. Having been through it a few times over the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, it's just an amazing place. And... Um, I'm anxious for our people to uh, to be to, to get there, to be there, to be working out of there because it really uh, will create an environment that will allow us to um, to uh, really perform at at, uh, our, at our highest level. Can you talk about the decision to locate in Zionsville versus taking all your operations to Columbus? I mean, I, I know that IndyCar it moves around a lot, so you could you could really be anywhere. So why locate? your facility in Indianapolis? Is it just a matter of it being close to the track? No, uh, I mean, that's certainly a, 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 that's a, plus, that's a nice plus. But, uh, you know, when I raced, for example, in IndyCar racing, there were teams all over the country, you know, based all over the country. You had Penske in, in Reading, uh, Pennsylvania. We were in Columbus, Ohio. Newman Haas was in, uh, uh, up in the Chicago area. Craco was in Los Angeles. Gallus was in Albuquerque. So they were all over. But, Literally, since the early 2000s, uh, there was a, a really concerted effort uh, made by the state of Indiana, by the city of Indianapolis, by the counties uh, that are affected by the race um, to really uh, create uh, or, or to generate uh, an opportunity for to attract organizations in, involved in racing, not just racing teams, but organizations as a whole like Delara, X-Track, you know, which is a gearbox company. Uh, to get them to move to the Indianapolis area, and, and it worked. 
most of the teams have, have over the years moved to uh, to the Indianapolis area, whether it's in Brownsburg or Zionsville or up near Carmel or, or what have you, and and uh, it continues to um, grow. Um, so, you know, a lot of drag racing teams based in the Brownsburg area, for example. The talent pool is pretty much here for, you know, people, engineering, mechanics, uh, you name it. So uh, Indianapolis is really uh, the place to be. Now, Roger Penske obviously bought the track back in early 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Do you think that his purchase of the track has in any way further enticed teams who who may not have really been looking at Indianapolis before to to look here now, or or is it just these all happen to be coinciding together? Well, the the, the effort, as I mentioned, the effort to attract um, organizations involved in motorsports that started well before. You know Roger's purchase of uh, of you know the Speedway or the IndyCar series. Having said that, um, with Roger's purchase, I think uh, that created a lot of confidence. I believe in the in, in the future of the uh, of IndyCar racing by the teams. Um, certainly, uh, I, I really I, I seriously believe that um, had had Roger not owned the track, uh, I think it's doubtful uh, that we would have had a 500. When you look at the health of IndyCar now, how do, how would you describe it as somebody who's on the inside? Is it is it where you want it to be at this point in time? Uh, I think the health right now series is um, is very good, probably as strong as it's ever been, if not stronger. I, I attribute much of that to, frankly, to Roger uh, and uh, the uh, you know his his reputation is such. And the respect that the corporate community has for him is such that when you talk to potential sponsors and mention that, you know, Roger, uh, that we, you know, Roger is the owner of the series, the owner of the Speedway, that gives people a lot of confidence. And so it's not, it's not just confidence from the teams in the future of the sport, but it's confidence of, by the sponsors and anybody really associated with it. So uh, there is no doubt in my mind that, um, that Roger's purchase uh, is key to where we are today and where I think we're going to be in, in, in the near future. Now, I, I've been in the garages, I've been around the paddocks for, for long enough to know that you guys are fierce competitors on the track with mm-hmm. with your your counterparts at Andretti, Aaron McLaren, and so on, but you guys are also pretty pretty good friends off, off the track too. So, so could you kind of talk about what it's like to to have to race against friends of yours but but to also now be working in the same area geographically as one another mm-hmm. well i think you know i believe that there's um, a lot of mutual respect uh in the paddock area for um you know for each other for the you know the teams the people who have worked their way you know really to the top uh, uh you know clearly uh, in our case you know, I raced against Michael Andretti, raced against Mario Andretti, uh, um, and, you know, we've been keen competitors, um, you know, for many, many years, for decades, whether we were competitors as drivers or competitors as team owners. Uh, but I have to think that there's a lot of respect um, in the in the paddock area, as I said, and, um, you know, it just, it's, it, it is kind of everybody, you know, everybody wants to, to beat everybody. That's That's the way it is, right? It's no different than a football team, an NFL football team owner or a major league baseball team owner, 
um, you know, you're you're together in certain areas. Uh, you know, you're one of the one of the owners of a team in the series, and so you work with those other owners to really enhance the uh, do what you can to enhance the the uh, success of the series as a whole. But at the same time, as you say, you want to go out and beat each other. So, um, and that holds true for even Roger's teams. You know, Roger he owns the show, but that doesn't mean we don't want to beat him. So, <laughs> so it's a uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting relationship between all the the various groups within the paddock area, but one that makes it uh, very worthwhile. What are your thoughts on the future of the racing series, but but more specifically? the future of teams making their home in the Indianapolis area? Because there's not many that aren't here now, but for the ones that are, do you think they'll eventually make that trek to Indy and, and be here long-term? Well, first off, let answer your first question. I think the, I think the future is uh, very bright for IndyCar racing. I think it's, it's bright for IMSA, for sports car racing. When you look at the number of automobile manufacturers involved in, in IMSA, it's, uh, there's no series in the world that has that kind of participation by so many different uh, manufacturers. So I think right now it's, it's a pretty good environment for everybody. I do believe that, again, I, I attribute uh, the future of IndyCar racing to the leadership uh, by Roger and his team, uh, and uh, you know, I definitely believe um, that's that, that's a, a big, big factor in, in the overall success of the series going forward. Will more teams come to to Indianapolis? Um, you know, I think that there's uh, there's possibilities of that for sure. Right now, as you said earlier, most of the IndyCar teams are based here. Uh, I think the only two that I can think of offhand really quick is uh, Dale Coyne is in the Chicago area and Rogers in Charlotte. Will, will they come? Um, I tend to doubt it uh, because Rogers also got his NASCAR team. And as Indy is for IndyCar racing, Charlotte is for stock car racing. So so there's I, I can't imagine he would make that move. But, um, but that doesn't mean that there won't be new teams coming in uh, that are starting from scratch. Or, or teams that come into uh, the lower formulas, you know, lower categories like Indy Lights, uh, F2000, uh, many of which already have uh, uh, buildings in the Indianapolis area. So, I think in, you know when you look at the when you look at the fact that so many suppliers and vendors to the industry are based in Indianapolis, I think that's a big draw, and I think people will continue to move there through all levels of, of motorsport. Bobby, you mentioned IMSA as a component of your new headquarters. Could you describe a little bit about what IMSA is, what it does, and 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 then why are you guys so keen on on being involved in this series? Well, IMSA has been uh, been you know with us since uh, I think about 1969 uh, thereabouts, and of course it is the category for endurance type racing in this country. Um, similar to what you see in Europe, uh, Le Mans, 24 hours. In this country, we have the Daytona, 24 hours, Sebring, 12 hours. These are races that have been part of the motorsports landscape since the early 50s, uh, particularly in Sebring's, uh, in Sebring's case. And um, it, is, it is really uh, the place that, uh, when you think of the great manufacturers that have been involved in racing for for decades upon decades, you think of sports car racing where you have Porsche, Ferrari, you know, Corvette, 
Toyota, the Lexus, I mean, you name it, just a Lamborghini, BMW, of course. Uh, this is the place where the, the uh, sports car manufacturers compete. And um, it, uh, it's, it's always had a great following uh, in this country, as it does around the world. Uh, and so it's, um, you know, for us, uh, it, for us, it, there are several reasons why, you know, we've got involved in, in many, uh, in, in many cases, it's, it starts out as simply as I did a lot of IMSA racing early in my career. And I grew up around sports car racing with my father and uh, have always, uh, enjoyed it. I've always thought it was a very viable form of sport for us. It, it allows us to have, um, rather than being totally reliant on one series, you know, we are now involved with two, uh, and this helps spread the risk factor out for us, but it's also a matter of, uh, that we enjoy competing. And in our case, we've been with BMW now for 13 years, which is a long relationship, uh, in, in racing terms and just re-signed for another four. So it's, you know, this is a relationship that will go on for many more years beyond that, I think. And that's a very, that's a big plus for us. There's no question about it. Uh, representing BMW and motorsports here in North America. So we really have kind of the best of the, both worlds. You know, I don't see us getting into NASCAR. That's really not our thing, so to speak. Uh, but I think there's other categories that we could look at in, in, down the line, anything to help to help our company grow. And that's that's the idea after all. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast this week. We really appreciate it. And Best of luck in the next IndyCar and IMSA seasons. Thank you so much. Nice being with you. Thank you again to IBJ's Daniel Bradley, as well as Jay Fry and Bobby Rahal for joining us this week. And thank you for listening. For Mason King and the rest of the IBJ team, I'm Mickey Shuey. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>